Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Party of Two podcast right here on Anchor, Twitch, wherever you're getting us. Um, we're. I hope you all had a nice Halloween, a safe Halloween. Yeah, emphasis on the safe. Yeah, staying home, keeping your mask on, uh, not going trick-or-treating. You can just go, like, you can go to any drugstore and get, or supermarket, and get your Halloween candy the day after for, like, a dollar. Like, what the hell? If you were a prepared parent, you had a giant bag of your kids' favorite candies ready to go. If you were a prepared then you were ready to go. I hope everybody's doing well. It is now officially the Christmas season. Um, but before supposedly supposedly i mean mariah carey deemed it so but mm. uh we're uh we're having a little bit of a halloween hangover yeah yeah as coined by you yeah i not necessarily a literal hangover but uh yeah, more like that. an emotional hangover so to speak yeah we we had a chance to we watched some stuff with some friends via uh, like a streaming app i forgot what it was called but we like all watched a movie it felt like we were in the same room but we weren't yada 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 so it was it was nice it was lovely and we wanted to do something spooktacular and just as sort of a preface off the top we're not that type we're not that type of a couple no i i mean we've we talked about you know we were planning to maybe check out Halloween Horror Nights this year at Universal, and then the pandemic happened, so that went out the window. And even though they had their two to three mazes this year, we didn't... There were still too many people. Yeah, I mean, pretty much every single weekend, uh, they hit capacity, and uh, we did not want to deal with those level of crowds it's just a little too intense uh i'm i'm bummed that we missed out on the beetlejuice maze that was the biggest like oh man like i i would have loved to have seen that in person but it is coming next year it was a contractual obligation that universal had to uh get figured out at the last minute Um, so, I mean, I get it. Contracts are contracts, uh, especially when you're in show business. It's a very serious thing. Uh, you don't want to lose that agreement or the rights to it or potentially pay a hefty fine for not fulfilling that end of your bargain. So I get it. And, uh, I'm just hoping that next year things will be, uh, normal again or as close to normal as can possibly be and uh, hopefully we'll be able to experience it at that time what type of a scared person are you uh, i mean i'm uh, i'm i'm kind of like a, a punchy I, I use that in in quotations uh, fight or flight you are fight i am fight i am fight as well i am rather punchy especially because of you know i'm not like a, a huge guy. I am a tall man. You're a very tall man. But in that regard, I'm a lot more conscious of my like body size and how I carry myself. Yeah. So I'm even more like, I, I can't, I legitimately can't put myself in those situations because I know I will hit somebody exactly. or something. And that's the problem. Like if you, if you know that that's how you react and you go into one of those mazes, you know that there are 
live performers and you don't want to hurt someone that's just doing their freaking job or get kicked out of the park yeah well obviously <laughs> well i i just don't want to cause anyone bodily harm and i'm i'm realistic with my reactions so i'm generally better at watching videos of things um i am not great when it comes to gory uh, Me neither. I'm it, I'm not ugh. I'm not a blood and gore type of person. I do like some horror. I like some suspense. Primarily I is my type of thing. Suspense. And despite not being uh, a spoopy type person, I I will fight people <laughs> respectfully <laughs> over the the fact that the original Halloween from 1978 is one of the greatest films films hard stop ever made it's so terrifying in all of the right ways without it having to be buckets of blood or gore or or like dismemberment or things like that in doing research in the for what we're going to be talking about today the walking dead attraction um i rewatched a whole bunch of like historical stuff and and we you watched some of it with me yes but i after your reaction of some of the stuff, I was like, eh, I'll watch some of this by my onesie <laughs> of like horror nights and the mazes and the design process and things like that. And there's some stuff that was like twisting my stomach because, you know, you see a pile of guts in the background. You're like, that's I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> be around that. Well, I mean, when I see even, you know, fake guts, fake gore. And I mean, I'm I'm fully aware that this stuff isn't real. I've worked and performed in entertainment myself it's one thing when you're making the blood packets yourself or you're playing with it like hey i see that syrup goes into this stuff then it's kind of fun and it's a craft piece for yourself but uh when i see someone else has already put that together and it's set up in a, a highly themed way i am brought back to high school biology where we had to cut into uh, a pig uh, and and move its guts around. And I mean, thankfully, there wasn't a bunch of blood, but there were lots of guts. And I mean, I remember the smell and oh, I, I just don't want to be back there. That's another thing that and I mean, we don't know because we we're not maze people. No. But we I in some of my research, I found that there were a lot of like smell recreation oh god yeah but not i'm just, not great with that but not just it, it's just like general gross things not just of like uh blood and gore and things like that but other other intense bad smells like so so to this is a long story short of explaining <laughs> we are not maze people no but this attraction has a very has is important in the history of Universal Parks, not just Universal Hollywood or not just like Horror Nights, but there are a lot of implications that this presents and this presented. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Walking Dead attraction, specifically what was in the building before. And and there were multiple attractions. Yeah. Uh, most, I mean, restaurants before attractions, <laughs> which, which I want to be uh, crystal clear on. And the first of which being Victoria Station. And now the, the interesting thing about this show building is there was access to, there was access to it, um, earlier on from outside of the park you didn't have to pay a ticket 
in order to enter Victoria Station. But it was also something if you were going into the park, you could eat there. Same thing with Marvel Mania, which is something that I remember rather vividly and to the point where I went back and watched some home videos and was like, oh, I remember. I remember. Um, And I do, do we do, really want to go back and talk about Marvel Mania uh, at some point. Absolutely. Including breaking down the menu, which is so ridiculous when it comes to themed entertainment but it came like that restaurant came right at the end of the themed entertainment boom and then just crashed and burned it was it wasn't open more than two years um and then after that the outside door got shut down and then we were presented with the chicken run quote maze and play area and this is one of your biggest theme park regrets yeah um i'm i'm mad at myself uh I remember going into Universal Studios Hollywood. I was there with my family. I was a kid. Um, I'd say I don't remember my exact age, like either preteen or early teens. And uh, a uh, a team member approached me as we were passing by because you, you couldn't not pass by the front of the attraction if you were to get into it. It it is right at the through fair. Two thousand. So you were thirteen. I was thirteen. Alright, yep. I, I was definitely at that age. Um I hadn't seen Chicken Run yet. I think either the movie was about to come out or or something. Um but a team member approached me as we were passing by. He's like, hey, do you want to check out the, the chicken run maze? And I'm like, no. And I kept walking. You teenager. I was very much a teenager in that moment. Um, I, I saw chicken run like three or four times in the movie theater. I was obsessed with it to the point where my mother was going all around the valley with me to try and find this toy set that I had seen once in a Ooh. sun coast in a sun coast. So it was a, co- it was collectible. It was a collectible item and I wanted it. And after that one time that I saw it, I couldn't find it again. And I was very mad that I did not go into that attraction. Now I will also say at the time, I thought it was just kind of like a display area with just a couple of models. I didn't realize there was a full-on maze in there. Full-on. That's why I kind of called it play area in mm-hmm. maze, because there you could uh, live like a chicken and try to, try to escape the Tweety's uh, pie machine. And uh, that's terrifying. But this is yeah. like... Before, well, not before, because this was 2000. So it's do, 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 trying to do math. So this was a a couple horror nights in, and they translated that formula into uh, a family friendly attraction, which I think, and you could also, you could also not do that. It wasn't like you had to go through all of the mazes. You could take a path that was around, and then there was a series of sets and maquettes and figures and things like that. But it they already had the idea and the gumption to create something that was truly family-friendly. And I'd say 
just according to whatever sort of responses that they got from it, it didn't meet company expectations. Yeah. Because if it did meet company expectations, then I don't think they would have kept pushing the bar like they had. I I think you're right about that. I mean, definitely Universal Hollywood in particular um, has needed more family-friendly areas and attractions. And I mean, they're they're definitely making uh, an effort to fix that and have been. But definitely at that time, that was something that was probably very much needed for the park. So I mean... uh, Props to them for doing that. I'll say that it was not communicated to me that there was more than like displays and models in there. So I think it might have also been a loss of translation because I had an annual pass to the place. It wasn't like this was a one-off visit. So if if a little bit more of an effort had been made, I probably would have checked it out more often. I would have been obsessed with it. Probably. Yeah, uh, I. Anyhow, to whatever team member person that I communicated with at that time, I regret me. my teenage angry words. I'm so sorry, and uh, oh, I, I I did mean, eventually work there, so like I get it. I get uh, interacting with teenagers being sarcastic and angry. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Is like, do you think you got a little bit of perspective after you joined the team? Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, ugh, I mean, most of the time I was stationed at Waterworld, so whatever. But still you had to deal with, with kids swinging on the chain or like whatever. They mostly made uh, jerks out of themselves without me having to do anything. Speaking of jerks, let's talk about mummies. Uh, <laughs> after the chicken run, as as it's so lovely called, the chicken run, there was a mummy maze and sort of set to... Like, there were some props and stuff. Like, that's Ultimately, the use of this was a way to show off, like, sets or set pieces or props, but they utilized mazes and scare actors in order to make a 365 attract. Well, I mean, Chicken Run wasn't open for a year, but you know what I mean. A daily operating maze, a Horror Nights-style maze. Well, and Mummy was such a huge success Mm, for Universal I mean, that that is a classic and will continue to go on to be no matter how many remakes they might make of the property of The Mummy. That version uh, starring Brendan Fraser is a classic. People are always going to think on that fondly. Um, so I, I'm sure there was absolutely a strong demand to see props from the movie wanted to have some sort of themed experience. Um, and it did definitely give you um, a a window into what was eventually going to come to the parks in the future. Yeah. And you have some experience with the mummy. I absolutely do. In fact, that, I mean, I guess that was the first sort of horror-related type maze that I was ever in. I mean, I was obsessed with the mummy. I, I love Egyptian type things, so it was something that I wanted to see, um, and I went in there all the time. Like it was not a question of whether or not we were going to go through that maze, and I, I loved it. I loved seeing the props. I loved uh, 
I, I mean, sure, some of, like, the skeleton and, and zombie effects were a little hokey, but they were fun. Uh, I loved <laughs> I loved watching the uh, fake Brendan Fraser animatronic, like, swinging um, from, like, holding oh, something yeah. in the air um, as you're crossing over the bridge. It, it was just, it was a fun-themed experience. It was cool, like, seeing the Book of the Dead, being able to touch it. Again, like something that you were going to see later on. And something that was incorporated in the ride. Yes. Was, well, I mean, probably not anymore these days, but something that mm. was incorporated in the, at least the Hollywood attraction. I don't remember. Does the Florida attraction have the Book of the Dead? I don't know. The I other just can't thing, recall. too, is like when we've gone on Mummy in Florida, it's been so fast going through the queue. That's true. That's and true. well, that's the other interesting thing, too. Like in Florida, it's like this is a set that you're going through, not you're actually in the world of the mummy. At least that's how it's initially presented to you. Whereas in Hollywood, you are entering the tomb of the mummy you are in that world immediately um so that's kind of a, a major difference there they, they might have i guess yeah, we'll I have to remember. look yeah. yeah when we go back um but the and and that's interesting they they incorporated that um after the mummy there was the van helsing did you go through that one before we oh, okay. jump to Van Helsing, they did do a slight update after Mummy Returns because that was also a major hit. Um, and they added in a section of uh, the pygmies. And uh, I had a very awkward experience as a 16-year-old. Uh, I went with a girlfriend of mine uh, from my painting class. We were both teenagers and we just went for the day. And um, I got into that pygmy section and you know by this point i'm fully aware of like what every scene is i know what to expect and i'm not afraid to go in like sure <laughs> i'd hate it if like uh if an actor like suddenly jumped out but i also knew where to look mm -hmm. so one of the pygmy performers uh came up uh, hugged me right around the middle, full on hugged me. Okay, so he's like right underneath my chest, mm -hmm. and says, "You're cute," and I go, "Oh God, what am I supposed to do?" Yeah, and it's one of those things that literally can't happen anymore. Nope. Like it, it hasn't been able to happen for a while, but right now, so that that's another one of the things about like the times that they are changing yeah. is right now we're at a point where things can't literally can't get close to us. So while yes, we can get scared and such, it's not going to be as bad as people running up and touching us and, and, and things like that. And because I will hit them away. My mother literally hit them away. Hit when, them away. Um, it, it, this is something that I, I kind of inherited from her. Uh, she would take her purse if uh, an actor would come out and scare her. And at the time, she was with my little cousin, who's like clutching onto her for dear life because my aunt was too creeped out to go inside. Um, and uh, in partial protective mode, but also fight mode, um, if someone came up and scared her, she would... Uh, whack them with her purse. And rightfully so. Um, and that was before the update for Mummy Returns. When Mummy Returns opened up, 
there was suddenly signage saying, please do not touch the actors. Please do not, you know, uh, hit them or anything. And uh, our family got a good laugh out of that feeling that this was a direct result of my mother. I'm sure more people did it than just her, but I can say from personal experience that my mother's purses always weigh like 30 to 50 pounds with what she puts in there. Like so. I always imagine the biggest bags that she tends to have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like you could really hurt somebody with that. Uh, speaking of really hurting somebody, uh, Van Helsing hurt my yeah. feelings. Oh. So like, well, so here's a- another thing is that there's a lot of experience coming from Andrea's side because up until high school, I never really spent a lot of time at Universal. I would maybe go once a year, once every couple years, but like the my my love for the park didn't really come until later in life. But I do I remember seeing the mummy set up and I remember seeing the Van Helsing set up. Uh which was the one after that, Fortress Dracula, and it was just it was kind of in feeding off of the quote success quote popularity of the new van helsing movie and just as an excuse to put as many monsters and scare actors in costume as possible now when we talked about this you kind of have an amalgam of the van helsing maze and its follow-up the house of horror uh yeah so do you remember like what do you remember? So, so in talking about that real quick, Universal's House of Horrors had sort of a big history section that had like movie posters and history of different monsters from a variety of eras. Um, but it was all it was again more of a reason to just have a 365 maze themed after Universal Horror because that's that's something that everybody can recognize. But. It, Eh, what what do you remember from that like 2004 to 2010 i think it was or 2014 it was open for a while you know what i i think now after like watching the walkthroughs that we did the other day um i i am 100% certain that i experienced van helsing okay um i remember the um the frankenstein area with you know the the giant power generator for mm-hmm. the lightning and and such like that was such a big showpiece room um but i just remember it mostly being really dark and i hadn't seen van helsing i i still haven't seen it and i'm a big dracula fan so i'm i'm going to rectify that eventually um but it it just wasn't really my thing i i was so enamored with mummy that suddenly switching over to that felt like a downgrade for me personally so i just wasn't as happy about it not per se as a downgrade in terms of a quality of a maze but just for me as something that i was excited to see i wasn't as excited to see it i wasn't really into that stuff at the time Mm -hmm. so i did it if my family wanted to go in i would go in Um, But once it switched over to House of Horrors, and I think the reason why I specifically stayed away from it is because my trigger is in there. I knew that my trigger was in there somehow, maybe because my cousins went in and Uh, Maybe in advertising. Like there there may have been uh, the visage of, uh, of an evil doll. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I I can't do it. I love stop motion and and just that whole genre. A- another reason why I have a love for Chicken Run. But then the idea of seeing a manic doll trying to murder you is just something that I can't deal with. I and and I totally understand that. Anytime they've tried to like make a walk around character. It's nope. a like nope, but at the same time, it's like, what are you? You're supposed to be a foot tall, bud. Yeah. Like, it diffuses it a little for me, but the fact that the imagery is still there is just like, no, thank you. Um, but yes, the houses of horror or house of horror, uh, was the last. Like, it's weird. They all seemed a little bit more temper. I don't know why they felt less yeah. permanent despite being there for years on end. Um. But when the Hollywood Boulevard, like, I still don't know what it's called, and I say that I'm a fan. Um, but the, they redid the main street, not Main Street, but the main entrance of Hollywood. And with that came the demolition of this building and Frankenbrews, uh, uh, <laughs> or Frankenstein, uh, which was right next door. And from that, they moved. They moved the building over to um, uh, Baker Street. Yeah. And that's where The Walking Dead was put up. But before The Walking Dead was made permanent in Los Angeles, it made its debut as a Horror Nights maze back in 2012 in both Florida and California's Horror Nights. And the so I, I find it funny that that we're talking about the franchise that would never die and it's a zombie franchise. I think that's kind of funny um, because the walking dead in one way, shape or, f- or another will probably outlive us all. But um, <laughs> in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, there were mazes and scare zones in the yearly Halloween horror nights celebration themed to the walking dead. And it was, I I can imagine in like 2014, 2015, they made the decision, well, what if we had this going year round? I wonder because uh, House of Horrors ended in 2014. So Walking Dead had already been going. I wonder if the plan, if there was a plan to replace House of Horrors with a Walking Dead attraction in the same space, like in the same format that it had been i'm sure there was but instead they decided to rebuild remake it and give like more permanent sets and animatronics something that operates every day and something that never had a huge line because ultimately the day-to-day visitors you got like there may be a kid every now and again that's like "Ooh, horror stuff this is cool but the the percentage what to me at least wasn't enough to make this a daily thing yeah. to the point where they replaced it with the new uh secret life of pets attraction which has yet to open but uh despite that th- there the mazes were always kind of popular with like the not the the super fans of the events but just like ooh walking dead don't don't mind if i do yeah and uh, again, we didn't experience this attraction because of spoop. But in, I mean, thankfully we're in the day of uh, walkthrough 
eight 4K light adjusted walkthrough videos. And um, after it came out, I I watched it fairly fairly quickly. Yeah. Just just in case. I was there with a friend that wanted to go through. I wanted to be ready. Um, but you watched it for the first time last night. And did anything stand out to you? Um, I found some of the animatronics to be pretty hokey. But the, the biggest thing for me was, oh, like the the masks and, and the whatever sort of thing that the performers had on they definitely been made to be more durable because it's something that they're doing every single day for the entirety of the time that the park is open pretty much that means that you have less of an artistic license and molding in terms of putting something on a performer's face which limits uh you know, really the intensity and the acting abilities from those performers to really shine through. So it doesn't look as realistic to me. As a result, it's less believable. And the uh, the entire thing doesn't feel as realistic at that point. It's like the ride had big head mode on because... The, the heads being fully enveloped as opposed to like prosthetics and makeup didn't didn't have a chance to shine through. I couldn't find the video, but I remember seeing something about them developing a type of uh, like mo- instead of it being individually like makeup scars, they had a Walking Dead sort of stencil type of a thing that they could use to quickly apply quickly take off but i would i i guess that didn't become practical after a long time well and i mean it makes sense that they would try to do something a little bit quicker because i know personally and we both know people that have performed for halloween horror nights i know for a fact that people that have had to do the walking dead mazes as originally done had to sit in the chair or even if it wasn't Walking Dead, they would sit in a chair for makeup for like hours, getting everything applied. That's just kind of how the process goes. And that takes up a lot of time, obviously, and isn't really productive in terms of a daily attraction. So think about that. Halloween Horror Nights, that starts probably at sundown, maybe six or seven, goes to two uh daily operations 10 to 6 it's about the same but you might have you'll you'll have to do more rotations possibly yes so you have more people that have to be in the makeup chair on an i mean it's one maze versus like 10 so it it just trying to keep the machine well oiled and efficient as opposed to like really expressing artistic stuff now something that was probably better on day one, let alone the early lifetime, not only the makeup, but uh, the the actors, the scare actors that would portray the walkers got put through a similar boot camp course as the extras and actors on the actual TV show so that they could properly perform. They were put under the, the producer of the television show so that they can accurately portray 
the the walkers now this isn't me trying to talk down on any of the performers but just in any sort of a line of work or any sort of a line of performers it turns into a thing of telephone where could they get the the producer every time could Mm -hmm. they get that boot camp anytime they had a new crop of zambos or did it have to be the people that learned from the boot camp port like carrying down carrying down passing down passing down passing down that information where by the end of it it's like you're playing telephone with the original producers and then those performances are sort of well this is well this is what i think a walker would do and yes that gives you a little bit more freedom but then you're not playing the character as much and blah 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 but i that on top of the makeup which i can imagine the people there on press day seeing the horde of zombies with the makeup done that would be for the television show or for a halloween horror nights experience to like perfection and then those scare actors end up going into the maze and you get this really awesome performance so that all of the all of the reviews top to bottom are glowing and the makeup's great and the effects are great and the this and the that and then you show up the next day reading those reviews and we're here for mask people and not as many zombies and like how how did this degrade over time because universal stopped caring about it which is really unfortunate for people that are fans of the show but for people that are you know you're like oh yeah i like the walking dead but also this specifically this is a a non-evolving look at a couple of like key scenes from a couple of seasons so I mean, maybe you're not caught up or whatever, and you go, oh, this is, I wonder what, all right. It's not that it gives away plot, but it may give away certain big moments, big scenes, like the the Bicycle Girl animatronic. Uh, I say animatronic, I I suppose it's figure, because Mm -hmm. it was like on a stick and like kind of like, you could see the mechanics of how the animatronic worked. Still really cool, but they were able to use the same molds for different characters and different creatures from the show for the attraction. So there was able to be some form of uh, legitimacy, uh, I suppose. It, it makes it feel like you're actually looking at stuff from the show as opposed to, well, this is what we think the zombie would look like. Was there any any of the like... So you said the animatronics. There's the don't open dead inside door. <laughs> Shortly after you walk in, it's a part of the queue. And earlier on, because I rewatched on on day one, and it was a little bit less. <laughs> I, I figured this could be something that they could adjust, but I suppose not. The doors were a little bit more closed so that the, the hands were less visible. And it was less like you could see a hand on a stick just kind of going like this. And it looked a little bit more intimidating, mm. but later on in the run, the doors were opened a little bit more. You could see more that the hands weren't necessarily connected to anything, and they just had a still figure of a Zambo, like, behind them all, like, not doing anything, mm. just sort of, like, fronting on you. It was it was weird. It was bizarre. Uh, there, There's the aforementioned Bicycle Girl, which was a simple animatronic, but could be effective because it's, like, right around the corner, and it's kind of dragging its way towards you and is creepy as hell yeah yeah similarly to the show um but the one the the animatronics that i liked were the hung zombie bodies in the back of the truck that were just kind of like like that's that's scary to me in the sense that they don't have arms or legs but they still won't get you 
they're still going to get it's like michael myers of look i'm taking my time i'm going to get there and i'm going to get you whereas it's like the it's the persistence you know it's it's something <laughs> uh, i i when I first saw them, I thought they were more complex than they were. Yeah. Because um, of how, how evocative they were. That's true. The The one figure that really grossed and creeped me out was the truck just before that one, uh, which was clearly highlighting a scene. Uh, again, mm. I haven't watched Walking Dead, but this is clearly like it must be a moment from the series uh, where there is a man sitting uh, across from a zombie that is uh, eating. And yeah. uh, the hair is kind of just like must all around as he's just like. It's kind of going nuts on some guts. He's He he was a hungry zombie. And that, that did gross me out because I could see like was, guts and skin flapping and like from what he was holding and so the uh, just talking about it makes me just grossed out um so that was the one thing where i was like mm, no thank you not for me and i had to kind of like turn away but the rest of it i was like yeah okay okay um i liked the uh live action actor that was not a zombie that had the uh the gun and was like you what are you doing you gotta you. get, get out, out of here, here. get yeah. out of here um, in the penitentiary? Yeah, in the prison, the Georgia yeah. State Prison. Um, the the couple of humans uh, amongst the, the rest of the scare act, it, I think it's better than a Horror Nights maze where you just sort of have a person like pointing like, go this way, go this way. But you you have somebody that is in on the story that is trying to get you to move along as opposed to... Um, just like a person with a, a clearly seen name tag. Well, like, all right. Thanks, Dan. I will move that way. Thank you very much. Um, I like the burning house effect. Oh, that was an incredible effect. And I, I'd really like to see um, more fire effects translated in other theme park attractions with like that level of dedication. Because that looked completely convincing to me and also seeing like a live actor in there i'm like no that there there isn't real fire in there there's a human right there but then you see then the, the zambo comes at you and is charred a bit because they were in the house a little bit that long. that was a cool that, that was a cool moment i'd say that's probably my favorite moment from like the entire maze yeah i think if there were some more walkers in the prison because you saw the guy like there was the prison guard that was supposedly holding Zambos out on the the walkthrough that we saw. He was just kind of shooting at the cells and you could see like there were screens with some stuff on the other side of zombies fighting with guards or walkers fighting with guards. And if there was a walker that he was like keeping back that just wouldn't stop like advancing, then that would be that would be a little bit spooky. But then there was one that just kind of came around a corner and was like oh, get you uh there was there was the one on the loading dock that took a couple of shots and then walked away and then walked back out and then took a couple of shots and then walked away and then walked back out and took a couple of shots and okay but in in that actor's defense we were also watching like the press day event and there was just a bunch of (laughs) press people like standing and taking pictures of things and while like that moment should be like a get out of here 
you can't do that when there's like all of these media people just like, oh, let me take a picture of this. I've got my thumbnail. Um, But to that, I would say you have two actors switching off Mm -hmm. to where it's the one guy walks out, reaches at the people, gets shot, walks, stumbles away. Another person comes out and then they they switch just so that there's a little bit of time. Because one of the one of the things that we hear from the theme park blogs and stuff that, that we read and watch of like scene transitions and if you don't get the timing just right it doesn't quite fit so like to that effect you you walk into that room just as the guy shoots the zombie and the zombie walks away and then you're fine but you're too busy looking inside of the truck and then that sort of gets your attention like the the pacing like it's difficult to do to write and create this timing so that it works for everybody uh, and I think with this Walking Dead attraction, they did fine. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, after the prison, there's a bit where they're like screens of the of like a horde of walkers like trying to to beat in. And if there was some sort, if there was a way to feel that more so than just see it, like if you could see like the bricks like starting to kind of pop out of position you know Mm. like the foundation itself was rocking that could also it like you said like you said it's like you got to get out of here if you could keep that feeling of we gotta go and especially with something that's you know walkers are slow and they'll get you eventually but if you have something to keep that momentum going forward to get to the end of the maze the of course you're going to bump into the group in front of you uh but there's a there's a way to convey certain things and i'm sure budget was a big part oh of it. sure um but af- after that you're you're kind of home free you go through like a, a storage bit and then you're you're out and then you can get your uh banana ice cream from the minions yeah <laughs> uh, what a juxtaposition and and because of that I can imagine them being like, you know what, maybe maybe this isn't the best thing to have right here. Like facing the avenue, you could have a little bit of a disconnect. But being a part of Baker Street and having Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem right there, that's that's a hard choice. They eventually made the decision to close it down this year. It is a freshly dug grave. There was a rumor that they were going to uh, keep it open for uh, Horror Nights this year as like a, as a farewell. Oh. But as we all know, yeah. Horror Nights didn't happen. So we don't know if they're getting it immediately. We don't know how much of the, the experience is still there. But I wanted to pose to both our listeners and to you, is there a way to make a in in these modern times because they want to take advantage of the horror nights crowd more so than just on horror nights is there a way to have a 365 maze you know i think that i mean maybe this is also my bias talking um the mummy maze or the versions of the mummy maze were probably the most successful. They felt like they had the most meaning and it had enough broad appeal where it wasn't just for people that like a scare, but people that like a property. That being said, Universal has kind of struggled with putting out new properties that 
become a really big hit. And that's something that we've also seen in the new attractions that they've been building. It hasn't really been like big live action stuff that wins a bunch of awards or, or anything like that. We've been leaning in more to like family friendly stuff more recently with what they've been building. Um, I think that the classic monsters are always going to have a place in Universal everywhere and that's going to be something that is always appealing to people i think that i think that it would be beneficial for universal parks all over the world to have a universal monsters section of the park with a ride but i think also a walk through maze 365 days a year makes sense I agree. And not sort of intensifying the properties either, but keeping the properties as they are and leaning into the classic feel and the classic vibe could be a way to get keep people coming in and get people of all ages to keep coming in. But I also think, specifically in Orlando, there was a theme that I kept noticing in some of the the his the research that I was doing is that there is always a number one voted maze. So what if they had a space where at the end of Halloween Horror Nights every year, the maze that wins for best maze of the year gets tra- gets placed into that black box space for the rest of the year. I think that's a great idea. Until the next Horror Nights. Because then you can either you play it into the ground or it has a chance, if it is really that strong, to win again. Yeah. Because there was an American werewolf in Paris maze that took a year or rather went to California and then came back. Um, and it they worked with John Landis on it. So it was still universal and still there's still that. And it was unchanged. Like a lot of times mazes for, for those who don't know, a lot of times mazes might get sequels. Yeah. Or, or alterations or changes so that it's a little different. And I think there's an opportunity there. But I think one of two options, at least in Florida, would be to have the maze that wins, hor- wins Horror Nights. Because then you have each team. Not to say that they're not working to 100% of their potential every year. But then you have them going hard of... Because then it's like, it's reputation, it's, I can, I will have this scare job all flipping year. Yeah, how, that's great. How rad is that? And that's, eh, that's, okay, that's a little weird in terms of the, like, you get to keep your job. But if, but then by- In this day and age, though. It's Hunger Gamesy. But then you, but then by expanding the time, then you need more actors, and then you have some people from the other houses coming in, and yada, 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 yada. Uh, and then also, if it's one that's based off of one of the icons, then uh, then you have that icon as a character, and it becomes more ingrained in the lore of the of the park. And yeah. then you push the Horror Nights merch even more, and then yada yada yada. Um, but as uh, Wheel Stud in our live chat, uh, which you can join us in at uh, twitch.tv slash markmedonica whenever we record, uh, what do you think is going to replace the Walking Dead attraction? So for California, I think it needs, speaking, like, in that particular location, 
it probably can't exist anymore. A straight up horror attraction cannot exist in that space because they're trying to family friendly ties that street. If you had an area where you could do a maze year round, I would still put not necessarily a family maze, but a family friendly maze in the sense where it's a it's a property that uh, parents show their kids. So Beetlejuice. A, a, a Beetlejuice. That was one of the ones that I was going to say. Then you run into licensing. Then you like then that becomes a bigger thing, and then you're paying more money. But uh, PG thirteen ish. Uh, when we were kids, PG, like hard PG movies like Ghostbusters or stuff today like Stranger Things, like things where properties where it is it, it's the new family friendly. It's PG-13 family friendly where uh, younger, younger kids still probably shouldn't do it, but you're like 10 to 30, you're preteens to your preteens yeah. to early teens will still be like, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'll do it. You know, <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> but like your, your Beetlejuices, your Ghostbusters, yeah. um, th- things like that. And then in a similar vein, but, or I should say in a similar vein, you make it a black box space. You make it the, you make it a like Halloween horror nights experience, colon ghostbusters or col- mm. like whatever. So that the attraction stays like is the same name, but then it's, it's getting refreshed. And, and because there's the possibility of using licensed material, you have a limited time. Maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year, maybe it's three months, but that way you can keep it going. And then it's also like a testing ground for future mazes, for for future properties of like, this was really viable. It was in the black box space for two years. So now let's bring this over to uh, Florida. Let's figure out a way to incorporate this into Japan or, or whatever. That's what I, th- that's ultimately what I think they should do. They should have a a black box space for mazes specifically and properties that can make all generations go, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because Beetlejuice is one of them. Ghostbusters is one of them. I'm trying to think of others. Like maybe at this point you could do video game franchises. Maybe you could Hmm. do like, I know they've done mazes for like a Resident Evil, a Silent Hill, um, but those are so frequently like refreshed and uh, remade. Like the idea of a resident of a Resident Evil Seven maze is awesome to me. <laughs> and I know that that doesn't say anything to you. Nope. But uh, I didn't play the game. I watched let's plays of it. But it is phenomenal when it comes to like interpersonal horror it's about a uh an infected family in the bayou and there's like this uh this dark like goopy material that infects them for in various ways and like sort of can heal them and empower them and things like so there are like random goo monsters but then there's also the three family members there's the the mother the the wife or the mother the mother the father and the son and uh you're sort of their captive and like the i'm i'm actually very surprised that that didn't become that hasn't that hasn't become a maze and we're already at resident evil 8 that was years ago at this point but um yeah we want to know what you think 
uh, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at Party of Two Pod. Uh, let us know how your Halloween was. Let us yeah. know uh, what what sort of uh, stay at home antics you got up, and what movies did you watch? What's your favorite? What's your favorite scary movie? Um, <laughs> but uh, if if you want more Spookums material, if you want us to uh, uh, be be a little brave and uh, ex- try to experience a little bit more Spookums material, you're gonna have to wait till next year because it is now officially Christmas. And uh, supposedly, supposedly, um, <laughs> I just I just remembered a vine. But uh, with with the holiday season coming up, is there any sort of holiday stuff that you want us to cover? Is there any sort of uh, discussion? Um, we did a last year. We did the Halloween, the animatronics Halloween party, right? Yeah, and we might do a grand Thanksgiving uh, banquet. Who we would want oh, I thought to have it was a there? Christmas one, or was it going to be Christmas? I, I guess we'll Christmas. figure we'll figure that out. We'll it, figure it it's out. either turkey or goose. Um, but uh, make sure to to stay tuned to us here. We're I mean, it's just now November, but uh, just we're gonna. Let everybody know that at the end of the year, we're going to take Christmas and New Year's off yeah. just so you're ready for that, I suppose. Holidays. Um, yeah, it's the holidays, man. We got to spend it. We got to spend it how we spend it. I just jumped at the camera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we're recording this on camera. But also, speaking of the holidays, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. It is affecting everyone very hard in the world all over, in all terms of work and especially theme park employees have been impacted very heavily. Um, I have been making sure to share different resources for places where you can donate and help out anyone that's been laid off in the theme park industry, anyone that's in need. Um, I, I know that there is more of a focus seemingly on Disney than on some of the other theme parks, which you know, isn't really equal. Everybody is being impacted. If you or anyone you know uh, has another link or a resource that we can share, please hit us up uh, on Twitter at Party of Two Pod. We're happy to share those resources. Um, we we want to help you in any way that we can, and we'd love to spread the love around, especially around the holidays. We need to be supporting each other. Mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, as best as we can. So I thought you were going to say financially. Uh, well, yeah, financially is the biggest one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it it'll make you feel good to share and to support anybody in need if you can, and it will make people that are struggling feel a heck of a lot better. So please. Please spread the wealth around, as it were, if you can. And if you want to support us, make sure to follow us on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, tell a friend. If you've got a friend that's a fan of theme parks, uh, let them know some of our previous episodes. Send them their way and uh, have them join the family. We love having people to discuss all sorts of business with. Um, I've actually, over doing this show, I found more people that have done like uh, scare actor stuff, uh, which is which is kind of fun. Still, Again, not my forte, but... <laughs> It's fun to get those sort of experiences. Um, and if you're new to the show, go back, listen to some of our other stuff. It's not all like super timely news stuff. And it's stuff like there's some predictionary things and it's fun to see what's happened and what's not. Like going back to the last D23 and figuring out what they were going to announce for Epcot. Uh, that was That's silly to go back to at oh this point. Oh my gosh, I feel uh, kind of embarrassed at this point just because uh, they had the money to do a lot of different things and then they didn't and and now 
Now who knows? And we'll be talking more about that soon in the future. Mm-hmm. You can also support us by heading over to our TeePublic, tpublic.com slash party of two. Uh, you can sign up for a financial subscription through Anchor, which is how we host our podcast. Um, even if you listening is is what we care about and we appreciate it, if you feel the need to support us in any other way, you we are forever in your debt um, because we love doing this. Uh, it's a it's a great way for us to still kind of perform without being able to perform. So we're happy to do this show for ourselves and for you. Yeah. So um, before you go, you can also follow us on our personal social medias. Uh, Andrea, where can the folks follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at DoleWhipDrea. And you can follow me on Twitter at MarkBDonica. Uh, Instagram too, but like, hey... It's Instagram, and I, I, I should be better at it, but I'm not. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for checking out this episode of the Party of Two podcast. We will see you on the next ride.